1: Welcome to you Before They Were Live, an ongoing and monthly conversation about the Disney animated canon in chronological order. Today we're discussing the eighth animated feature, Make Mine Music. Make Mine Music was released in 1946. It's the first post-World War II film uh, from the in the canon here, not the first one ever. Um, we're <laughs> still in the throes of the effects of the war on the Disney Studios, though. Uh, it's another of the package films, and a few of the ideas in here have been bouncing around the studio since before the war even started. Uh, We've got 10 shorts packaged together with no uniting story other than a program at the beginning, as though we were watching a show similar to what they did in Fantasia. So we'll be bouncing around from rural southern U.S. to rural northern U.S.S.R. Uh, There's baseball, (laughs) hat love, complete with baby hats, uh, cool jazzy cats, bayous, broken hearts, operatic, uh, Whales ballet and disembodied <laughs> fingers and tutus dancing on piano keys. Uh, something for everyone, really. Or, as Bosley Crowther wrote in his New York Times review of the movie at the time, you pays your money and you takes your pick. So.
0: <laughs> that's, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> it really is. This is, this is a very... It's, it's all over the place. I think in a way that... Um, we haven't seen since Fantasia, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, because there's no underlying theme the way there was for the two South American package films. I mean, even Fantasia had more of an underlying thing than this does. Because at least you had the uh, the conductor, Stakowski. You you had him. You had him to introduce each piece. Here we have. There's little placards, but there's not. Um, there's no human being guiding us through.
1: The, That's right. The shorts. And- yeah, and I think more of a thematic purpose in Fantasia, right? Like introducing in, introducing popular audiences to classical music, whereas this one is not. Yeah, there's no, there's not even a theme.
0: Yeah, and it's some of the most of popular time. musicians of the time already. So you have the Andrews Sisters, you have Benny Goodman, um, uh, Dinah Shore, who we'll see again in in Fun and Fancy Free, Nelson Eddy, who I think comes out as the star of. <laughs> the star Vicman <make> music.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's the top, the top headliner in the in the opening little thing. The uh, credits were
0: nice. They had they had kind of a uh, art deco design to them. I thought they were I thought they were nice.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's more of a Mary Blair Mary Blair's doing?
0: I didn't see anything in here that that made me think of her. So I I meant to look up whether she even worked on the movie
1: she is she is under art supervision she's okay. credited um,
0: it helps yeah. that it helps that so many of the animators have been drafted
1: yeah, something about the colors just makes me think of her a little bit in those opening scenes but you're you're much more familiar with my work or sorry, with my work <laughs> <laughs> to be sure I'm more familiar with your work than she is too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, you're more familiar with her work uh, than I am. Is what I'm trying to say.
0: The only thing I saw that I thought I, I asked my wife is a you know she's the she's the Mary Blair fan in our family. Um, the the flowers at the beginning of Without You seemed Mary esque, but Victoria said she disagreed. So I, I defer okay. to I defer to her expertise.
1: Yeah, I saw somewhere in here in these opening credits that uh, a uh, b- of IWorks, if I'm saying his name right, uh, was was in here, which is kind of fun. You know, he's the, you know, he had he had a big fallout with Disney about um, who really created Mickey Mouse and all that sort of stuff. He was he was kind of claiming, or I think probably had a large hand in creating him. Left the studio for a time, but he's he's back now, so that's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that name too, and I thought that's who that was, but once again, I didn't bother to look it up did your book say anything about how he came to work with Disney again
1: uh, I think it does but not in this section so I usually what I what I tend to do is just kind of read the sections immediately related to our films uh, during the month um, and <laughs> yeah this one is really there's not much information in either the the two books that I've been reading through the podcast which if this is your first time listening uh, the the books I'm reading are the biography of walt disney uh which is called the triumph of the american imagination and then another one which is just called the golden age of animation and uh this movie really gets short work on both of them i think uh partly in the disney biography because um oh what is it the other disney feature that came out in the same year 1946 is song of the south and sure (laughs) and disney disney had a much larger hand in that like um in our last episode you were asking me if you said it seems like disney's kind of checked out am i right in that and uh it the in reading for this month um it it just talked about how how engaged he was in song of the south and it was it was kind of like the old disney again is is how they said it right so i think it was it was clear from that that he was disengaged everywhere else so
0: well as your book neglects uh Make my Music. So does Disney. It's only been released on DVD once in two thousand, and it desperately needs a uh, upgrade. L- like the the animation needs to be restored pretty clearly.
1: Yeah, it's too bad. Just from a, I, I would think. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we're just odd birds here, Michael. But I would think there would be a lot more interested in, in the canon as a whole and just in the history of the animation and stuff. Like I, I'm surprised that Disney doesn't do stuff at just at least. Like for academic purposes or or something, you know. The like,
0: sin- the cynic in me says, well, there's no marketable characters in this movie, so they won't sell that many copies of it. So why go through the expensive process of restoration? But yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm I'm apparently more traditionalist than the powers that be at Disney.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's interesting to me. But yeah, you're right. There's only the DVD copy, and if you're buying it in the United States, you don't even get the whole movie. Um, <laughs> Apparently, apparently the one in the UK still has uh, the first short that we'll talk about here in a minute on it, but the United States one doesn't. So, you can find it on YouTube. Um, It's called... What's it called? The, the
0: Martins and McCoys.
1: Yeah, The Martins and McCoys, and depending on your region maybe you'll have more luck than i did i found it but the quali- the quality of the one that i found was was really low
0: no it was bad it was bad in the us as well so i mean it it actually made the other shorts which need to be restored look much better cuz i mean it's it seems to have been it seems to be somebody just filming it off their television
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's might. that level
0: of quality <laughs> yeah yeah
1: although i found i actually found two i found one in spanish so i watched it in english first um because i don't have any spanish at all um just to get the feel of it and then i watched it in spanish because like the, the quality was higher so i could actually see the animation a little
0: better but <laughs> well, that's that's smart thinking i think the whole movie is on youtube i think all the shorts are up there yeah if anybody's that's interested up. in watching them without paying for the dvd i don't even know if the dvd is still in print i mean it's been 18 years
1: yeah, I bought it off Amazon, but I, I don't I don't remember if I bought it through a, a reseller or through Amazon itself. I don't know. I never pay attention to those things. So anyway, hey. probably no, nobody cares where I bought it. So let's let's move on to the movie. Let's give let's give the people what they're paying for here, Michael. <laughs>
0: well, you you pay your money and you take your pick, right? <laughs> That's right. So so each of the shorts begins with a little uh, description of the short. Uh, So, Martins and the Coys get the description, a rustic ballad. Gather round me, children, and I'll tell the story Of the mountains in the days when guns was law When two families got disputin', it was bound to end in shootin' So just listen, and I'll tell you what I saw Saw. Uh, Yeah. Can you figure out why? Well, I guess maybe we should say the plot of the, of the of the short. This is a parody of the Hatfields and the McCoys, so this is a very famous uh, set of feuding families in, I think, West Virginia. Uh, the, the feud has been going on for generations, uh, and the, the short makes fun of that with them They all kill each other, and then there's only one Martin and one Koi left. Oh, guess what? The Martin is a beautiful woman. The Koi is a kind of goofy-looking guy. They get married, and the feud is over until they start feuding, and the feudery begins. Yuck, 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 yuck. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you have a high opinion of this one, Michael. I can tell. Well, I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I,
0: I guess I understand why it was banned. I mean, <laughs> everybody in the family just shoots each other, and they all go to. They're all like sitting up on a cloud, yelling for, <laughs> for their uh, living relatives to continue killing the other side. But uh, you know, I uh, I don't miss it. If that makes any sense, I don't need to see it again. Yeah, it's offensive to yeah. my people. You know.
1: i shouldn't laugh at that i'm sure there's i'm sure there's people who who feel that way um so thematically it kind of works uh with the with the rest of the shorts in the sense that there's there's a lot of of going up into the clouds (laughs) yeah that's true there's
0: there's Um, death throughout these uh, shorts
1: yeah and just a general sense of violence i think um and some of that i think we, we talked, again, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I think you see it again here, the sort of, um, you know, Disney took the early lead in the animation. Everybody's trying to catch up with them. And then in the war era, they really got setbacks. Uh, Hanna-Barbera actually won, you know, several Academy Awards for, you know, best short Um in a row and it wasn't uh,
0: Hanna-Barbera the studio though right it was it was a- the actual human beings Hanna-Barbera who animated Tom oh, and Jerry I don't
1: yeah I, I yes I believe that's true but I yeah I don't I don't know my my history isn't isn't that good here sure right.
0: I I know that I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that um Tom and Jerry were released as a Hanna-Barbera cartoon I think I think that I don't remember what company released them but Hanna and Barbera both worked on them
1: right and yeah and Tom and Jerry I think you know is is it it's right that you mentioned them because, um, yeah, the just the the violence, I guess, is the main thing that kind of comes out of that, and the energy of a Tom and Jerry film, and then uh, the Looney Tunes slash Merry Melodies um, is is coming into its golden era right at this time. Uh, you know, nineteen, uh, you know, late nineteen forties is kind of when they hit their golden era. Yeah, all, so- the, all the
0: uh, all the Looney Tunes shorts everybody loves are from from the 40s
1: yeah so the uh i guess the the influence uh that they're that all these companies are are having on each other is kind of changing where people were chasing disney disney is in some ways uh now you know trying to chase them and i think you see it in the amount of of violence that is in this this (laughs) just throughout this thing and that could also be just um you know a result of of just the culture of the day and all that sort of stuff. I saw a study at, at one time about, you know, the amount of torture on television post nine 11 or whatever. Right. And, you know, they just, you know, just the way our, our, our cultural tastes had changed being in war, you know, or whatever. So that's
0: interesting. You know, maybe
1: that, maybe that's all it is too. You know, it's just the, the cultural taste changing at that time. I don't know, but I, I just found, um, yeah, I think tonally the you know starting off with a feud um where everybody kills each other is is kind of appropriate for there's there's just a lot of violence throughout these 10 shorts I feel like.
0: Well, the and the other thing Martin's and McCoy's introduces is the truly horrible design of the human characters in this movie.
1: Yeah, I have a <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I I wanted to talk about that too. Um yeah they can I mean, so we've seen a lot of different kinds of humans <laughs> right
0: right so right. far we're,
1: we're, we're eight movies in, and we've seen a lot of different kinds of humans. These are bad, I think across the board maybe the the one that I would argue is maybe stylist just because of the style of the whole short that um, it just didn't bother me as much was the um, uh, all the cats so I'm going get to all the cats we can maybe talk about it more there but um, other than that, I think humans in make music are all awful. Like they're just awful.
0: I'm not very not good like, at describing visual things. What, uh, can you can you take a <laughs> shot at saying what makes them so ugly?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm not describing them well either, just by calling them awful. But I think um, so. In in uh, this this first short, what you see is just kind of. Um, disproportioned bodies in a way that's, I think, supposed to be comical, but it doesn't really work out. You get um, this
0: impossibly tiny waist on the woman.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, like I said, the, the YouTube quality on this one wasn't, wasn't super great. Um, I would say, like la- later when we get to Peter and the Wolf, which, um, I, I for the most part liked, but like the the grandfather in that like his hands are just they're they're just they're bubbles like they're just bulbous bubbles and they're just overly large like they they don't they look out of place on him you know um
0: and peter's nose like, has always bothered me
1: yeah um yeah and then there's another oh which i i forget now even which short it is um but there's there's one where all the all the humans noses don't look human you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, so that's. I assume that's either Casey at the Bat or the Whale who wanted to sing at the Met, but I don't remember what the people. Yeah, look I think.
1: Like. It's, yeah, <laughs> maybe both of them. I don't know. Anyway, it's just across the board. I, I I don't know what, I don't know what they were going for. I guess is is what I mean. And I know they can do better. Like the the humans in. So we were really hard on, uh, three caballeros, but the the little boy in. Uh, the burrito, uh, short is cute, you know? He's Uh a cute little boy. They could have done that style for, you know, Peter and the Wolf and it would have been totally fine.
0: Well, and frankly, I think, I think Peter and the Wolf is kind of a bad version of that style. I think, I think that what we're seeing in that short is, is that style drawn by less, less competent animators.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's what it is. Like, they're just, they're pulled away into, um, whatever you know like they're 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 working on Song of the South the animated parts of Song of the South or you know they're working on they're working on uh 3 cabreros or whatever and you know at the same time that this is going to be I don't know but it's just it's not very good unfortunately
0: do you have anything else to say about Martin's and the Coys it's fine like i i enjoyed that there's a twist at the end of it um so so the whole time you're expecting that these two people will get married and the feud will end and it just starts back up even though it starts back up in a very hackneyed way which is the wife starts throwing frying pans at the husband. Yeah.
1: At least there's at least uh, there's a twist. <laughs> I can yeah, I guess it's a twist. It was um yeah. Uh I kind of saw it coming, but Yeah, I I, I just felt like a lot of the comedy in this—it's just—it—it's just lacking. Like throughout the movie, and in, in, in this this one in in particular is is a place where you know like it's just it's not as funny as it could be. Like the um you know the guy accidentally setting off his gun in in his sleep and everybody jumps. You know like I don't I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't grab me.
0: The, the um, funnier one was on the Martin side where the, the still explodes and all the men start shooting. At least that's a gag.
1: Yeah, at least that's a gag, exactly. So, yeah, I have more to say about gags, especially when we get to, like, Casey at, at bat. But this one, um, yeah, it just it just didn't do much for me.
0: Do you think it should have been right. banned? I mean, do you, do you find anything about it offensive or troubling <laughs> besides the fact that it's not very good and the people are animated ugly? <laughs> Ugly? I, um, I don't know how that word would sound. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, no. I th- I didn't. I didn't quite. I mean, they're cartoony. They're cartoony deaths. You know. I mean, I I saw that. You know, the reason that it was it was banned was because of the amount of guns and the gun play or whatever. And. I don't know. I, I feel like that's of an era, right? Like there was that special edition of ET or whatever. That's, where that's exactly guys, what I was gonna say. Yeah, all the guys' guns were replaced with walkie-talkies or whatever.
0: It's like <laughs> a post Columbine thing because this is re-released in 2000, so Columbine was '99. I bet. I bet right. that had something to do with it.
1: It's got to. And so, yeah, I don't see it. I I really was expecting something much worse, especially like I said, like after watching. Um, the last one, we were talking about, you know, all the the craziness with Donald and and the women, you know, and that one. And like, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, and again, maybe it's just the the moment we're living in, but I would see something like that being banned much more, <laughs> yeah, or maybe not banned, but just Disney wanting to censor it, like Disney, wa- like wanting to hide that past more than, you know, these guys shooting at each other. And it's not even guys shooting at each other most of the time. It's um, guns pointing out of trees and then clouds of smoke, <laughs> or yeah. something, right? Well, they like, do
0: all die. I, I wasn't, I wasn't really ready for that. I've, I had seen this short before, but I, I, I must have forgotten most of it because I, I did not expect them all to kill each other.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Pretty dark. There's something to be said about the World War II psyche, there, huh? That both sides just the, this mass carnage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there, that's that's where it is. That's I think that's really right. It's just the mass carnage. That's a very good point, Michael.
0: A lot of moonshine gags. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you with the Ken Darby singers, It's subtitled a tone poem. Did you like this one? Yeah, that's,
1: uh, this is the the whiplash moment. Um, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so far from uh, the McCoys that it's just it's unbelievable. I I wrote in my notes on this one that this is a real throwback. Like the the visuals on this, I think are stunning. Like they're. They're really well done. The, back, I, the backgrounds, really in
0: particular, really the, the yes. kind of watercolor backgrounds.
1: Yeah, and for the most part, that's what we're looking at is, is the background. So this this is just a a it's it's a relatively short piece, and it's um, a couple of what what's the name of this bird?
0: Michael? I think it's Can a heron. It? I think it's a heron. Oh, a <laughs>
1: heron. Okay, a couple of herons flying around over beautiful. <laughs> beautiful scenery of a bayou at nighttime with it with a moon um there's not really much plot to it
0: no um, tone tone poem's right i mean there's yeah it's, it's just pretty
1: yeah it's and it is it's is very pretty and the i mean we get the the um the multi-plane camera is back in use i mean this really felt like this this actually was um being worked on at the time of uh, Fantasia, and they dropped it out, and it feels like it, like yeah. it feels like Fantasia.
0: It was supposed to be animated with Debussy's Claire de Lune, um, mm-hmm. and I, I believe there's a special edition of Fantasia you can get that has that restored, if you're if you're interested, because I, I think the original was quite a bit longer than this.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd be interested to, uh, to see that, see the difference of the music and stuff, but
0: I, I will say the the backgrounds are beautiful. I, I especially love the beginning. You have you have a moon with clouds over it, which makes sense if this was going to be clear de which means moonlight. Um, but. Uh, then they, they the clouds kind of part and slowly fade almost imperceptibly into the bayou background. I thought that was really well done. But I, I don't know that the bird was terribly well animated. And I can't tell if that's because the movie needs to be restored or whether it just wasn't very well animated. But the um, certainly the backgrounds are the most beautiful thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think I spent most of the time looking at the background. <laughs>
0: sure. So maybe that's
1: why I didn't I didn't notice the birds as much. But I mean, I knew I knew they were there, but <laughs> yeah, they, they, they didn't draw my attention. Um. Yeah. Do you want to talk? I mean, do you? I you know I like it when you go highfalutin and stuff, and I feel like this is your this is maybe one of your opportunities. Maybe there's multiple opportunities within this movie. I don't know. Uh, to talk about uh tone poems and and what that what that means.
0: Well, Pardon I I think I, I'm not sure I can totally tell you. I, the, the one I know I think is called Tapiola by uh, John Sebelius, and I think a tone poem doesn't really have movements. I think is the idea. It's just kind of a a, a single movement piece that is about uh, that is about giving an ambiance rather than rather than any kind of forward motion. I think that's right, but I don't know. You also sometimes hear it used for poetry that's just supposed to sound pretty without having a plot or a message, which that is certainly this short, isn't it? It has no plot or message other than it's pretty. Yeah. This is they, this succeeded in,
1: they succeeded in being pretty, and <laughs> I, I think it works much better as the first... Um, the first piece that you see um, I, I think it works I think on the DVD release it works really well like it it flows right into or right out of the, um, the opening credits really nicely so
0: yeah I agree with that. I'll also say that this is one of two shorts that serve as a restaurant at the, uh, at the Disney Park So Blue Bayou is the restaurant attached to Pirates of the Caribbean in uh, at Disneyland in, in California. I've never been to Disneyland in California, but the I've seen pictures of the restaurant. It's beautiful. The boats from the the boats from the ride flow right through the restaurant.
1: Well, that's kind of fun.
0: The only problem with this short is I always th- I always want it to be the Roy Orbison song "Blue By You," which is a completely different song, but I think a better one than the one sung by the Ken Darby singers here.
1: Yeah, I um I'd seen somewhere somebody was not. It, not high on this song, especially as compared to the original that it was supposed to be. Um, but I can't, I can't remember where I saw that. But
0: I guess just putting in Claire de Lune would have felt weird since everything else here is pop music. But yeah, know, I, I think it would have been better with Claire de Lune. I mean, this song is fine, right? I mean, it's a it, there's there's nothing objectionable about it. It is certainly not the worst piece of weepy 1940s traditional pop we're gonna hear in the movie, but. Huh. Yeah,
1: I think the the fact that it's pop music for 1940s, I think, is interesting because there's a little bit of uh, of what um, negative feedback on that from you know at the time of of the release, and it was kind of like, well, you know, Disney's really selling out, and he's just, you know, it's uh, what somebody called it. I mean, even in the studios <laughs> in the studio, they kind of joked and called it Walt's remnant sale. Um, That's funny. You know, just, just packaging these things together and throwing them out there. Um, but again, going back to that idea of what Disney as a company is doing with it now, like the fact that they're just sitting on it, they could, you know, they could, they could release it now as an introduction to 1940s pop music. the way that, um you know, the way that Fantasia was an introduction to introduction to classical music, you know, yeah. Like, uh, it, I think it it you you watch it differently now than you would at the time. Unless I mean, if you were alive at the time, then then there's the nostalgia aspect. But for someone like me who has no um, no knowledge of 1940s popular music, it, it is an introduction of the music to me. So I don't know. It works in that way, I guess.
0: And I don't know how many of these songs became big songs. I know that the 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 Goodman Quartet song after you've gone toward the end of the movie. I know that was a big hit. But I don't I don't know about the rest of this. Hmm. So next up is "All the Cats Join In" by Benny Goodman and his orchestra. It's a "Kara Catcher." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's so punny.
0: I really loved this song until people started singing, and then I was done with it. Like when it was an instrumental piece with Benny Goodman, I was uh, I was super into it, and then uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought the vocals and the lyrics in particular were just terrible.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. This one, I actually, so I like it. I like the, the animation style. I, so, um, basically it's just a bunch of kids who are, are all going to the same place. They're all going to listen to, uh, music and eat ice cream at the small shop. And you see the pencil, uh, you know, drawing them as, as they go, um, I think that it's fun like I I think it's fun it's a fun piece um
0: do you like the gag at the beginning where the pencil draws a actual cat and then erases it and draws the cool young man instead
1: yeah I I guess I I don't know (laughs) I thought that was a pretty
0: Um, funny joke (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's good (laughs) the um actually I was super distracted because I I there was there was something about this where I was like, I've seen this before, or I've seen something incredibly similar to this before. Um, I've seen this style before. I don't know. I did, I didn't recognize the whole thing, but there were pieces of it that I recognized. And I was, I was going to ask you about it because you, you tend to know much better than I do, like what, what's been repackaged and what's been reused in Disney specials and things like that. Has this, has this one, or is there something really similar to this that's been used? Like, I don't know in the early '90s when I would have been watching a lot of this stuff as a kid. Well, I know, know
0: I know that every short in here was repackaged in the '50s and released theatrically, so not as a part of the package film, but just before another movie. But I don't know specifically if this one showed up in any of the in any of the package videos you and I grew up watching. I ha- I have certainly never seen it outside of Megman Music.
1: Okay. I yeah. So it it really I I feel like I saw it, but and I actually Googled around a little bit to see if i was just crazy or if it was just you know some sort of weird dream or something but um it probably was (laughs) i probably just watched this short like it probably was you know somewhere at some time i saw it but i feel like i didn't recognize the music like i feel like it was maybe set to a different music like it was the same i don't know but i couldn't find any yes
0: actually that's true when it was re-released in the 50s it was set with uh rock around the clock
1: okay all right I'm gonna have to look up for that on YouTube. I bet if I see that on YouTube, then, then that's gonna really kick in and be like, "Oh yes, I've seen this before." Yeah, that makes sense. Rock around the clock. All right. Well, thank thank you for filling in that gap for me, Michael.
0: Do we want to talk about the nudity in this in this short? <laughs> it's the closest. It's the closest thing to sexy. I think we're gonna see in this in the in the Disney canon. Maybe The Little Mermaid
1: yeah i I was surprised by it i'll tell you that i was more surprised by the nudity in this than i was by uh by all the all the guys killing themselves in the beginning i don't know i like that
0: I, yeah. I yelled out oh my god
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't so, so for people who have not seen it you don't really see anything but there is there is a uh there's a girl who jumps in the shower and then jumps out of the shower and um yeah <laughs>
0: so you see that's her bare her back. back,
1: yeah you see her bare back that's all you see yeah.
0: i' I'm, I'm assuming it would excite a eleven year old boy uh, who didn't have the internet but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of shocking to the rest of us it's not sexy because the characters are so incredibly ugly
1: yeah like I so for this one i I forgive it because I do feel like they're 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 at least stylized in an interesting sort of way, and I yeah, I wish we we did have somebody on the show sometimes who had a better um, vocabulary for describing visuals. But these these characters, they're very flat, and they have um, like really thin uh, you know lines around them, like their like their boundary lines or whatever. Um, most of the, ba- the most of the time, the background is completely blank, so it's it it gives a very interesting effect, like almost almost like you've like they're cut out of something and placed on onto you know, like it's that kind of kind of effect. I feel like, but the, um, I mean, they're supposed to look pencil drawn because the, the pencil keeps coming in to draw them. So I think that's part of the thinness or the lightness of 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 what's around them. I, don't know I, I think anything,
0: they almost didn't go far enough with that. I, I I see I see what they're going for, but they're too close to conventional animation to really be interesting in that way to me.
1: Yeah. So and, uh, you know, you kind of jokingly said this this was offensive to your people. I, I was wondering if um if this one was offensive. I mean, I felt a little offended because it says all the cats join in, which I guess a cat maybe I'm just not reading the slang right is is innately a cool person, but yeah, that it was the slang. There's there's a couple nerd there's a couple nerds in this who are. Definitely left out or even kicked out. <laughs>
0: so, you you felt for the nerds.
1: <laughs> Those are my people. That's my people group. <laughs> you wouldn't.
0: You wouldn't get to dance at the malt shop and eat a Dagwood sandwich. Said,
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it says in the title, "All join in," right? So I'm thinking everybody gets gets a chance to participate here. But um, yeah. Uh, actually, the malt shop is amazing because. Why don't why don't we have these? In, I mean, I know we have them, but why why is it not like the center of our social interactions? Like this is awesome. Everybody shows up, dances, and eats ice cream. That's that was really cool. It was. A, <laughs> I, I
0: taught a I taught an article from the Atlantic last semester by Gene Twinge called "Have cell phones Have Smartphones Ruined a Generation?" and it makes that point that that young people today are not. See each other in in public anywhere, and instead are just talking on social media. But I will say that before that, the uh, the shopping mall killed the malt shop. Don't you think? I mean, didn't you hang out at the shopping mall when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, I think when you yeah, were a young cat, mall, <laughs> I was a young cat. But I I don't know if I would have if I would had the option for a malt place like. <laughs> <laughs> honestly
0: you should you should you should open a nostalgic 19 late 1940s themed mall shop in China
1: yeah that might really go well I mean I guess I mean, we kind of have one honestly we have a we have a Johnny Rockets here I mean that's basically what they are right yeah Johnny in Rockets
0: way. it's playing with the same nostalgia yeah but all the cats so. don't hang out there it's mostly 50 year old men yeah <laughs> At least that's my experience with Johnny Rockets.
1: I'll tell you what, the I so this only happened one time when we were there, but um we're they they turn on uh Johnny Be Good at only levels that you like there's so one thing that people who don't live in China might be surprised to know about China is just the amount of noise pollution and how people like I, it's just normal. Like noise pollution is just normal. So the, the, the Johnny Rockets is in a mall here and they turn on Johnny Be Good and it is like, um, airport, like being on the tarmac decibels loud. Like it is just, <laughs>
0: it is awful. Like they're like trying is, to torture terrorists or something.
1: <laughs> like they, yes, exactly. And all the workers from, uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Rockets, they go out into the, like the the wide hallway that's like you know um it's it's a mall right so like the the, that wide hallway corridor and they all kind of dance to it in a very i don't know i don't know how to describe their dancing but it was was super interesting super
0: did you get out on the dance floor and join them josh i i did not michael maybe they would have given you a free sandwich afterwards uh
1: maybe unless you were the
0: loser who just got the uh toothpick olive
1: that's right. I might have,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's tremendous. Um,
1: yeah, it's good. It's a good time. Um, but yeah, I like this short. I think it. Was, I think it was one of the highlights of of the movie, for me.
0: I, I would put it somewhere in the middle. It, it was. It was. It was definitely not my favorite, but uh, it was not without its moments. Next up, we have without you. Sorry, Andy Russell, a ballad in blue. This is another one without really a plot, right? There's not a, there's not any human characters at all. It's it's kind of semi abstract. It's a yeah. weepy it's a weepy torch song, as the title <laughs> suggests.
1: Yeah, there's not much to it. Um, I wrote down so the the lyrics here are: My heart kneels to pray. I pray about you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think it took to write that?
1: <laughs> yeah. So we get an illusion of prayer and we get a, um, the first time he says it, we kind of get like this semblance of a cathedral in the stars or something. Um, as he talks about praying or as he sings about praying. Um, which I, I just found interesting, you know, like those, those sorts of moments kind of jump out at me. Um, especially, but, I actually, I've been looking at them looking for them since you brought up in our Snow White episode, you talked about the, uh, you know, we see Snow White kind of praying, right?
0: Is yeah, that right? Yeah, is yeah, we that? see, we no see her. She, no, no, that's Snow White. She's kneeling at her, kneeling now. at the foot of her bed and, and praying for the dwarves.
1: Oh, that's right. That's what it yeah, that's what it was. So, I've been kind of on the lookout for them ever since um those those moments or things, so um,
0: Well, that's yeah, the closest that's thing you're like, going to get in this in this movie, I think, cuz even the uh, even the Martins and the Coys get married at a at a like dance hall instead of at a church. That's
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> no church will have that's them, right. I'm sure. That's right. Oh, man oh yeah those those people in the dance hall that talk about ugly humans, man ah, oh, it's just it's so it's so frustrating. I can mean you really like think about like the Disney style or whatever, right, and like sometimes it's like whatever you know what what is the Disney style because these things look look so different from from movie to movie. I feel like this this movie's just not up to it, it's just not up up to it and it's frustrating well
0: unfortunately um, all, all the uh, all the all the human beings are going to be ugly until we get to cinderella i think
1: yeah i don't yeah i i'm super unfamiliar with this stretch that we're in right now so um i'm gonna have to take your word on that so this one i thought was kind of interesting in the way that um you know the watercolors of brazil was interesting as far as like Or I felt like they were kind of going for that same sort of feel of, you know, kind of abstract things turning into concrete things. But I, yeah, again, like, I just feel like they did. I think my ongoing, like, theme of all 10 of these is like, it just, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite make it. Like, it's, it's close. There's, there's a potential there, but it's just not, it's just not grabbing me the way that I want it to.
0: I, I thought Maybe there I was were some bad mood
1: when I watched it. I
0: don't know. I thought there were some pretty good shots. Uh, the, the it opens with this like window in black, and I, I thought that was well done. The you, you, when you go when we go up and look out the window, and and this is where things start getting semi abstract. I think the reason they're abstract is we're supposed to be looking through a wet window so it's like raindrops clouding our view of of the world i thought that was nice there's a nice shot of these trees silhouetted mm-hmm. against the the night with their shadows running forward and i thought that was really nice although it's just a still shot they didn't they didn't do much with it but it, as a still shot it's nice until things start sparkling the sparkles uh in the short i thought were very poorly done i don't know if you noticed that
1: no i missed i missed that i guess
0: but, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, this is, I wouldn't call it underwhelming, but it, uh, I know that was the term I used for Salados Amigos, but uh, the, the the nice moments weren't taken far enough, I guess is what I would say.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: <laughs> and the song's a garbage barge. <laughs> that's...
1: I guess so. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, it's really hard for me to say because, I, again, like it's just I'm just so unfamiliar with the 1940s music. Like, is this? I don't know what it's supposed to be doing. But
0: Victoria really liked the song, and and so, you know, we we listen to Jack Benny. The, there's a podcast that does Jack Benny episodes, and she gets mad at me because I always skip. Dennis Day is the kind of Irish tenor on that show, and I always skip his songs because I hate these weepy 1940s torch songs uh so she i i will say she liked it so maybe some of our maybe some of our listeners will agree with her and not with me but i yeah. i thought I, and i like 1940s pop music so it's it's not it's not the genre itself i object to but I, I did not care for this song
1: yeah i think just watching this all for the first time like because i i'd never sat down and watched watched this particular one before like when you say something about the music like that it's like i it doesn't, I don't even remember, you know, like I, maybe if I'd watched it several times, but like, it's not that same sort of feeling of like, where I watched Bambi and it was probably the first time I'd seen Bambi in I don't know how many years, right? 15, 20 years or something. And I could, if I wanted to, I could have sang along with every song. Like it just like, it came back immediately. Right. And so sure. that's, that's kind of where I'm hesitant to say like, oh yeah, that was good or it was bad. Cause it's just like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I
0: would, I would agree that the, the music is largely forgettable. Um, but a, part of that is probably that y- you 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 say you haven't seen Bambi in 15 years, but I bet you watched it 15 times when you were a kid.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I I know it's I know it's both, right? It's the amount of amount of exposure to it, and and the age of life I was in, and all that sort of stuff. When my brain was so elasticy and ready to. Just adorable that
0: stuff. And it won, in fact, the next short, Casey at the Bat. I, uh, I I distinctly remember. I must have. It must have been re-released in some package video, because I, oh. I I definitely remembered many of the things about this short. And in fact, it creeped me out when I was a kid. Um, I, I remember distinctly being made uneasy by it. Uh, so this is uh, this is sung slash narrated by Jerry Kalana, who I think was Bob Hope's sidekick on the Bob Hope radio show and it's called A Musical Recitation of course the the poem goes back to the early 20th century I forget who wrote it but it's a the poem was not written for this movie
1: right and I was familiar with the poem I, I think most if, <laughs> if you grew up in America you're probably familiar with the poem like I think every every school aged kid probably gets it right um, at some point um but I I don't remember ever having seen the short before. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I did, but it it didn't. Yeah, I knew the, I knew the poem, but I did not know the short. So,
0: did you used to get Casey Jones and Casey at the back confused?
1: I bet I did. That seems like exactly something that I would do.
0: There's a there's a line in a Josh Ritter song. Was it Casey Jones or Casey at the Bat who died out of pride and got famous for that? It's kind of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't help that Disney did shorts for both of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. Um so yeah, this short so this short I find really frustrating because i felt like there was so much potential here that was just squandered and i feel like on you know i mentioned it a little earlier like the the way that the the rival studios are kind of going back and forth like can you imagine if this short had been done by chuck jones like how good it would be yeah like i feel like it would be like just so much better like if he had it because it's it's again like it's it's going back to this idea of disney set the rules and then you know warner brothers is coming along and basically deconstructing those rules and and creating this whole other you know form of it, energy and entertainment in their animation and then when it, as it tilts back to to disney it's really hard i guess to deconstruct yourself you know <laughs> so I, like I,
0: you know in a, in a weird they're way trying to do it and they're, they're not making it in, in a weird way it reminds me of what happened to the simpsons in the late 90s so you know the simpsons sets the standard for adult animation and then south park comes along which does something totally different it's much more vulgar it's much more um the animation's not good obviously uh and but it it becomes super popular and the simpsons feel like they have to catch up and so they try to make homer simpson into cartman and it it ruins the simpsons i mean Homer Simpson's not Cartman we don't want him to be Cartman um, and, and not only that the, the show's not set up to do the sort of thing South Park does well um, so it's, it's, it's a matter of both your, your studio your, your show getting older and, and a matter of these, these young people coming along and doing something different and you want to be like them but it doesn't work as well that being said, I like this short much more than you do, probably because I did see it when I was mm-hmm. a kid. I think there's some good gags. You have the, the hot foot. You have the cover getting knocked off the ball. You have the ball being thrown wildly around between t- between batters. So yeah. funny. So the guy the guy um, making it to the base with his luxurious handlebar mustache. <laughs> so, there's some good gags here. Yeah.
1: Okay, I will, I will take that point. I will, I will take that. I, I felt like... Um, so what I thought when I was watching this was, like, especially, I think... So all those gags that you just mentioned are, are gags in the main, you know, field of play, right? And I think you're right. They're, they're mostly good. I really enjoyed the, the skin falling off the baseball one. I thought it was really good. The, um, <clears throat> uh, I think the ones that bothered me were when they went to the crowd... So anyway you have, you have one guy cheering for the other team and then it's kind of a, a resort to violence in order to solve that problem and um, and that's the gag right and whereas I'm thinking of like Snow White where there's all like in the cleaning scene we talked about it you know like there's there's so many good like just little things that they throw in um, you know little gags here and there that that just really make that whole scene not only funny, but also richer, right? And yeah, this one I just, yeah, maybe maybe I maybe I should watch it more charitably, or maybe I need to to go back because, like I said, you made you made some really good points there about those gags, but I don't know. If it is
0: it is lazy. I I agree with that. It, like they could have they could have put. Way more funny stuff in it. Did you did you like the uh, very proper lady yelling at the umpire? I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, that was that was good.
0: We learned, although we learned at the beginning of the short that uh, women don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> That's right. The, the, that the, the opening the opening <laughs> the narration makes a big deal of it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess except for that woman.
1: So I felt like this one had a bit of like a Dumbo feel. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> Just I think. You know, sometimes in the crowd, like it was almost it was it was like the audio of it, like um the the way people were talking back and forth and you could kinda hear the background it reminded me of like the clowns when you know in Dumbo, uh when the clowns are kind of talking in the background to, you know, the main action with Dumbo and Timothy. Like you kinda get you get a feel for I don't I don't know. Some, something registered with me there. But I think that was one of the things that I kinda wanted to ask you about was you know, um, I don't want to be overly hard on this this movie because I understand the constraints that Disney was under. Um, but at the same time, he was under a lot of the a lot of the same constraints with a movie like Dumbo, right? Like with Dumbo, they're trying to um, cut some of the corners in animation and 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 really make a movie that's that's going to make them some money because they're they're losing money everywhere. And then t- somehow through through those constraints, um, they make something that's that's fairly transcendent, right? Like, Gumbo has, it's just, you know, a, I think we both said it at the time, like, it's just a great, it's a great movie, you know? So how come sometimes when you're working under constraints, it pushes you to still create something that, you know, it's, it's like more than the sum of its parts. And then sometimes you're working on a movie like this, and you're working with tight constraints and it just it leads to sloppiness and laziness and it just it doesn't come together
0: it just feels like they're not trying to prove anything here don't you think i mean it it, that's why that's why i think the word lazy works it's not that these are bad they're much better than the shorts and three caballeros but you're you're right they're they're missing that something and I, i think that something has to be walt disney I think him him going and working on Song of the South instead of this. I think I think that is one of these. This movie has so much less imagination than the the ones that we we liked so much early on. Yeah, that would make sense. I will say one more thing about this short, which is I think it fundamentally misunderstands that poem. So that poem is very funny, and and one thing that makes it makes it funny is it's written in this kind of heroic style, but it's about this tiny thing. Um, because the short has all these gags throughout, you lose that kind of mock grandeur that's that's what's that's what makes the poem funny and the short is funny it's just funny in a completely different way than the poem is and because so many people first experience the poem through the short i worry that that maybe what's great about that poem gets obscured here
1: yeah you know i had a similar feeling i didn't i didn't feel it quite the same way that you did there but um yeah just that they they were missing the tone of i mean so the poem the poem ends with um Somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining and bright, the band is playing somewhere, somewhere hearts alight. light, somewhere men are laughing, somewhere children shout, but there is no joy in Mudville, Mighty Casey has struck out, right? And yeah. I don't know, as as a child, at least, when I was first hearing this ball, I mean, it's it's sad, you know like you're expecting him to come through you're expecting him to be the hero they build him up as a hero the whole time and then he strikes out and in this they they turn it into a gag like he just you know it ends the the movie ends with him chasing the baseball around the field which apparently now <laughs> is no longer baseball because it can like move on its own it's i, I don't know I, I didn't like the ending at yeah. all
0: well, and also the moral of the poem, if there is a moral, is that that Casey is so prideful that he lets the first two pitches go by. It's not that he's a bad baseball player; it's that he thinks he's a much better baseball player than he is. He's kind of believed his own hype. I don't know. It, the the, mm-hmm. the poem reminds me. There's a There's a great line that Joyce Carol Oates said about Updike, which is that his his stories uh, fail to reach the level of tragedy, and so they unaccountably become comedies. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? So like th- this is this is a kind of minor tragedy, but because it's so minor, because a baseball game is ultimately not important in any way, uh, we can laugh at it, and that allows us to laugh at the more important tragedies in, in life. There's a there's a social purpose I think behind comedy like Casey at the Bat, but I, I, the the short doesn't do that at all. The short is just a series of Chuck Jones-esque gags. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Only not it would have been no
0: much better. Day. I agree. The worst the worst part of the short is the end when, when Casey is melodramatically weeping and chasing the ball all over the – it would have been better if it had just ended with that closing narration and it raining in Mudville.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. The ending really, really ruined it for me. So, yeah. Probably made me harsher in my criticism of it than it would have been.
0: In the afterglow Two silhouettes become as one When lights are low And with the lights slumbering on We'll build a dream for two A perfect dream set to lovely as you Two hearts on fire will soon inspire the stars to dance The flames that stray will light the way to our romance and So next up we have Two Silhouettes starring Dinah Shore. It's called a Ballade Ballet. This is, I think really the most experimental of these shorts in that the two silhouettes the the ballet dancers are actual human ballet dancers that they kind of turn into silhouettes and then animate an animated world around them um so that's kind of neat other than that i have nothing whatsoever to say about this short do you uh,
1: the Cupids, or they reminded me of the Cupids in Fantasia. That's all. That's all I got.
0: <laughs> uh, the look of the short, I think, is supposed to be Valentine's card cutouts. Do you know what I mean? But I, oh yeah, I just don't think they had the money to animate this right. The, this could have been cool, and instead it was just underwhelming.
1: The song is good. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's move on. Yeah, since, that's, we're, since we're way over time anyway, we may as well not, not waste <laughs> was, more on two silhouettes.
1: Yeah, I'm like scanning through the movie as we go. We're like, uh, well, if we just skip through this one, we're about 30 minutes into the movie and an hour into our call. <laughs> it's
0: pretty typical <pretty laughs> for us. Next up, the most famous one, Peter and the Wolf, narrated by Starling Holloway. This is a, a fairly faithful adaptation of the Sergei Prok- uh, Prokofiev uh children's introduction to the orchestra. Uh, a fairy tale with music, they call it. Uh, this was my first experience with Peter and a Wolf. I suspect it's many, maybe even most, American children's first experience with Peter and a Wolf.
1: That sounds fair to me.
0: The big change they make is that in the Prokofiev original, uh, the duck dies. So, So here we have the false death of the duck, the wolf seems to eat her but does not actually eat her um in the in the Prokofiev original the duck is eaten and does not return
1: yeah i they got me on this one and i don't know if it was because the setup at the beginning with the you know whatever the <laughs> the McCoy's or the Roy's or whatever they were called um <laughs> with them all dying uh i was like oh the duck the duck died i was i was surprised and when i watched it with my kids uh, i this is the only short i showed them of, of the of the, of the movie. Um, I think that it lent, they, they were kind of laughing through it. Um, but then uh, after the duck dies, or fake dies, then they were much more concerned for, um, uh, what's, what's the little bird's name? Uh, Sasha. Yeah, Sasha. Thank you. Um, I think it really raised the stakes for them on Sasha. <laughs> they were way more concerned that Sasha was going to die, too. Were
0: um, they afraid of the wolf? They the were wolf not. Is terrifying.
1: We, you know, I, I showed them just a still of it before I showed them the thing. I just, you know, kind of scanned to it and I was like, do you guys think this is scary? And they did not because it reminded them of the wolf in The Sword and the Stone. Now, the first time we watched The Sword and the Stone, they were actually the, uh, they were way more tense about the wolf. Watching it and not knowing what would happen. In subsequent viewings of *The Sword in the Stone*, they find the wolf hilarious and all the stuff that's going on with the wolf hilarious. Like they, they love all those gags. But the the first time we watched it, even though <laughs> to me, to my eyes, it's it's pretty funny and goofy. You know, the the wolf snapping at Arthur's leg and stuff like that. They were they were tense. You know, it's it's like,
0: so huh? funny. Your kids never react the way I expect children are going to react. And I, I know this is not about your kids being weird. I yeah. know it's about like my not having children and not that's, understanding how they're going to react. But the things I think are going to be scary to children don't seem to butter your kids at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with kids, right? They're, they're little people. <laughs> Who knows how you know, what they'll like. do? It's, 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 it's funny. Um, so, yeah.
0: This is a great performance from Sterling Holloway.
1: I 100% agree with you, and I'm going to say something that I think is probably going to be controversial. I think this would actually be better without him. Like, I I love him. I think he's amazing. I want to see a version of Peter and the Wolf where they actually let the instruments do the talking, like more Fantasia style, and where the animation, like, I mean, we talked about this with Bambi. Where you know there's parts of Bambi where every movement is timed so perfectly to the rhythms of what what the music is doing. Like I would love to see a version of this that is doing that and is actually allowing you to listen to the music rather than having a narrator telling you what the the music is supposed to be doing. And I understand that that's that's how this was written. Like like right. even for Disney. Like there's a there is a narrator. It's it's. You know, like I get that, and so if there has to be a narrator, praise the Lord, it's Sterling Holloway because that guy's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. I, I wonder if it would be more effective, um, if you actually got to, you know, like if you saw Peter creeping along, and you're just, you know, his movements are timed to the ma- to the rhythm of the strings. You know, or like when the you know the uh, Sasha comes out and he's like talking to Peter, and it's the flute, you know, and he's she's flying all around him, but you have Sterling Holloway there telling you exactly what you're supposed to get from that. Yeah, you know? maybe
0: just a little less of, of his narration, even though he's great. Um, I, I, I could see that. I, I don't know I don't know how much he talks compared to other productions of Peter and the Wolf. I have seen. Peter and the Wolf live a couple of times. Uh, I'm kind of ashamed to say <laughs> I've gone as an adult to see Peter and the Wolf, and I, I think I think it had about as much narration as as we get in the short. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not the same narration. I mean, the 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 words Holloway is saying uh, are not Prokofiev's originals, <laughs> as you, as you <laughs> would imagine. But the part yeah. at the beginning, in particular, I know some people object to um, object to him telling us what the various instruments represent but the, I mean that's that's what the piece is for it's supposed to tell children what various instruments sound like I think my deep love for woodwinds comes from uh from the duck from Peter and the wolf because he's the oboe or she
1: yeah yeah I actually I think the introduction is great i I would keep that i would I would totally keep the introduction like Here's the sounds you're hearing and it, it goes with these characters and the way they do it, like the way I, I found that part, you know, I found the Sasha coming out of the, um, out of the flute and, you know, flapping around with the flute in the introduction. I really enjoyed that even more than when Sasha is introduced in the actual, whatever the story. Right?
0: Yeah, I, I, so. I, I see what you. I think I think you're probably right. I I would be interested in seeing a version that didn't have the didn't have the narration throughout or had much less of it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Also, my favorite moment is in that introduction part where when <laughs> Holloway introduces the is it the duck that has the clarinet? Oh, the oh, no, cat.
0: the cat. The cat with clarinet. Yeah,
1: the cat with the clarinet, and and he says. I, I can't do it. I'm not going to try and imitate Sterling Holloway. But anyway, you, it's great. He drops into the low register of his voice, and his voice is so rich in both register. It's just amazing. He has I, such a I ridiculous
0: like it. voice. It's so it's so warm, and I mean everybody knows it because it's Winnie the Pooh.
1: Yeah, but I just oh, I can I can just watch that like ten seconds over and over and over again. I just I love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I laughed out loud at that. Yeah, <clears throat> were you were you surprised to see something Russian? In the middle of the, the century.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. This is like the year before the Cold War. Yeah,
0: it's funny.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, what, what is that? What's the... I mean, I, they were actually working on this. So this is another one that, like, has been bouncing around the ideas in the studio since since Fantasia, right? And so...
0: They, they um, weren't really our enemy at this point, as far as I know. I, I mean... Certainly during World War II, again, I listened to Jack Benny, and there was, a, there was an episode of Jack Benny where he praises Joe Stalin, <laughs> which is real. I mean, I get it. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but that is really disconcerting given, given the rest of the 20th century. So, yeah, I think this just happened along at a time when the Russians and we were friends. Uh, I, I will point out the piece itself was only 10 years old. So this is this is this, uh, this yeah when when this first when when the movie came out the the piece is from 1936. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not brand new but for classical music that's that's fast that's a pretty good turnaround. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean it's good uh, the the story's good I I uh, yeah I like I said earlier the the look of the people kind of b- bothers me like I was I was thinking like oh if what if what if Grandpa in this looked like, you know, in the style of, like, Stromboli, or That's whatever right. his name was, and Binocchio, right? That's what he like, should look like. Yeah, it would be so much better. Or the, I think it's the next one we're watching, we're, we're going to see uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk. Is that in the next?
0: I think, I can't remember if Melody Time or Fun and Fancy Free is next.
1: Okay, anyway, we'll, we'll get to it soon, right? In the next few months here. Like, the the scene of Mickey and the Beanstalk, where Mickey is trying to take the key out of the giant's pocket. And it's it's, you know, rightly suspenseful and all that sort of stuff. Like I wanted that sort of feel when Peter is taking his pop gun from his grandpa. But it it doesn't feel that way at all. Like it's like I don't I don't know. It just <laughs> it just falls flat. Yeah. It, it,
0: it's it's not think. as good as it could be. Although it's still good. Like this is a this is a short I think everybody could enjoy.
1: Yeah. This I, I would say this is this is probably the highlight of the of the of the set for me
0: it's number two for me I think I kind of go back and forth between this and another one that we'll talk about in a few minutes
1: yeah I, uh, I'm i with you I think actually probably I feel, <laughs> feel almost exactly the same so
0: Next up we have After You're Gone by the Goodman Quartet. Uh, I didn't write down what... I don't think it had a subtitle. I didn't write it down, but it does. This was the most Fantasia-y of the of the shorts here, I think. This is mm-hmm. that, that kind of semi-abstract thing you get from uh, the Bach piece at the beginning of Fantasia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a caught in for you. Um, Psychedelic.
1: Yeah, you got instruments... Dancing, juggling, uh, floating around on, (laughs) I don't know what keys from the keyboard, maybe. Um, I I enjoyed the bit where there's, it's, I don't know if it's, it's meant to be a giant drum or if it's just a circle. I don't know. But it's like, the drums are, are larger, that part of the, of the song, and it's like rolling after them. I, I thought it was, it was cute. Um, but yeah, there's just not,
0: I think the I idea. I think the idea is this might be what you see if you close your eyes while listening to "After You're Gone." After you've gone, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's. Um, I think that's the idea. It, I mean, it's. It's. First of all, after you've gone is the best piece of music, in in Make Mine Music. So I mean, and it's short. So uh, nobody, nobody with any kind of taste is going to complain about four and a half minutes of "After You've Gone." Uh, even if they don't love the animation, but the animation's good; it's it's fun.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's top half for sure.
0: <laughs> well, let's move on to. I think I think we can agree this is the worst one: Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet, starring the Andrews Sisters. <laughs> A love story, I think so. Yeah. Do you want to try to explain Ooh. what happens in Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet?
1: Okay, so this is the thing. I think this this actually talking about the change between these two pieces is really the thing of this package as compared to like Fantasia, right? So if we had a package of films that were mostly like After You've Gone, where they're instrumental, you know, really good music, fun visuals, this would be a fine movie. It could have even been like an introduction to jazz of the nineteen forties or whatever, right? Um, the problem is that they throw in a bunch of these other kind of shorts with too much narration, and it just like so in Fantasia when you fi- when you finally hear human voices for the first time. I mean, there's there's the inner. Interstitials or whatever, right where you know he's introducing the pieces. But like within the within the animation itself in Ave Maria*, when the voices when human voices come in, it's an amazing moment after going through all instrumentals up to that point. Whereas here you get also it's just all over the place with we're telling a story, we have narrators, we have people talking or whatever. So anyway, all that to as a prelude to this love story where it's. It's between two hats, which is fine. This is a, the very animation thing to do. I'm I'm in favor of that. Um, you're not going to see a, a live action version of this short anytime soon. Oh, so who knows? That's, that's...
0: Eventually, they're going to run out of movies. <laughs> <laughs> who would you have to play Johnny Fedora? Johnny Depp, right? Johnny Depp would play Johnny Fedora. Johnny Depp, of course. <laughs> I mean, he's basically just a hat at this point. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness anyway <laughs> these two hats a a men's hat and a woman's hat a, a, a fedora and a bonnet they fall in love in a store <clears throat> and, like they're they're in the window then the bonnet gets sold the, the fedora is very sad um he gets sold he's looking everywhere for her he actually sees her and so allows himself to kind of get caught in the wind to go up t- go towards her um ends up being trampled and uh, spends. <laughs> we don't know how much time traveling around, like with a hobo, and I don't know, like all this various.
0: He gets uh, in a terrible bar fight.
1: Gets in a bar fight again. The violence thing. That it just. I. I don't know why. I don't know why I was so sensitive watching this, but it just. It felt like it just popped up in. Completely unexpected places. This is a, a story of, of two hats falling in love. <laughs>
0: I wrote, jeez. Because <laughs> 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 like, it, it's not played for laughs, to their credit. like The violence in this is really kind of disturbing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but So the theme of it is, and it it's in the lyrics, right? Don't give up hoping and dreaming. True love will come smiling through. And so eventually he gets picked up... Um, by uh oh, I, I don't know what the professional title is he's an person. ice
0: man he, he delivers oh, ice
1: yeah. Door. yeah yeah he's an, oh he gets picked up by uh oh what's his name in, in frozen um <laughs> doesn't <it> Sven? Right? <laughs> right right that's <laughs> yeah.
0: the
1: idea so he gets, yeah he gets picked up by Sven, and he gets put on one of the horses and of course on the other horse is his lady love bonnet and so now they get to to be together all the time and Make baby hats, which was my favorite part, Um, because I I don't understand how that works. (laughs) Yeah, I yelled at the TV, so did they have sex, or? (laughs) (laughs) Where do do baby hats come from? You missed, you
0: you left off the the most disturbing part of all, which is they have to be mutilated to be back together, right? Because their holes are cut in them to fit on top of the horse's heads.
1: Yeah, you're right, they did. I wrote
0: wrote that this short is both insipid and creepy because those hats are terrifying. (laughs) And I wanted to know why, like, this guy who buys Johnny Fedora doesn't say, like, uh, how come my hat has eyes? How come my hat seems to move of its own volition? Is this a universe where hats just have consciousness and everybody's okay with that? I don't understand.
1: Yeah, I don't quite get it. I don't know. Wasn't there a Pixar short like this recently? Um, or I say recently; it's probably ten years old now. I don't know. With umbrellas.
0: I don't remember that, but probably.
1: Yeah, I like feel like one...
0: Pixar. They probably did it much better than this.
1: Oh, for sure, but yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I kind of, I just have a vague recollection of that. Yeah, somebody, somebody write in and tell us. But anyway, yeah, what a, what a, what a love story. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I, the, the
0: song is so the song is so annoying, and and I like the Andrew Sisters. I don't have a problem with the Andrew Sisters' style or anything. But man, that song is annoying.
1: There's just not much to be said for it. There's not much to be said for the song. There's not much to be said for the story. The animation, I guess, is fine. But I mean, it's there's there's nothing about it that particularly grabbed me or jumped out at me.
0: The only the only nice thing I'm scrolling that's,
1: back through it right now as we're talking about.
0: The only nice thing I can say is that the cherry blossoms laid in the short are pretty well animated, mm. and that is uh, that is faint praise.
1: <laughs> All right, but let's end on a high note because there's a, we got the last one here and it's really it's 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 good. It's it could be my number one. I would I would. Maybe by the time I'm done talking with you, it will be my number one.
0: I laughed uproariously at the whale who wanted to sing at the Met, starring, as as the as the <laughs> uh, placard tells you, uh, Nelson Eddy does every voice in the short. Uh, it's called an opera patatique, <laughs> which even that made me laugh. Um... So,
1: <laughs>
0: I, I think the title pretty much tells you what this shirt is about. There is an opera, or a whale. He sings opera, and he would like to become a famous opera singer and sing on the stage at the Met. Well, uh, newspaper articles begin to appear about him because sailors are hearing this operatic voice at sea. They finally figure out it's a whale, and uh, a, a maestro, what's it, Teddy Teddy, is that his name? Teddy Teddy decides it that could be.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: He he decides that the uh, the whale must have swallowed an opera star, so he goes out to sea and, against the advice of his sailors, he kills the whale. <laughs> but not before there's an elaborate fantasy <laughs> sequence where the whale does, in fact, become an opera star, sings all of opera's most famous <laughs> roles. Uh, as a whale standing in the in the met filling the entire hall Uh, and then he like he does and we are told that in whatever heaven is reserved for creatures of the deep he's still singing I, uh, I laughed throughout this, and I remembered not liking this short, but uh, man, did I find it funny. And the, the best part, uh, I think, is <laughs> when we see the whale for the first time, he's singing Mammy's Little Baby Loves Shortening Bread in uh, in operatic style, and it is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I also enjoyed the line, Willie was no ordinary singing whale. <laughs> This short yeah. is bonkers.
1: It is bonkers, and it it's it's those little touches they they you know they get back to it finally with this short those those small touches of of Willie was no ordinary singing whale or like <laughs> the headlines on the papers are really funny. Um,
0: How about Willie uh, blowing water out of his blowhole during Paliachi? <laughs> That made me laugh really hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. I think the this movie has the best maybe the best visual gags. The the whale filling up the entire bet, especially when he's the, the sad clown. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I have <laughs> it's, Oh it's so funny.
0: Or, I, or like when he when his singing blows the uh, blows his co star across the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
1: too much oh yeah this one this one's really good actually um so you know the the newer mickey mouse shorts um i don't know if you've seen any of them
0: uh so get a horse
1: they are full of uh sight gags and a lot of them are all, often allusions back to the old disney stuff and so in Osole Osole mini um mickey is is working in in Venice as a on a gondolier and he's trying to attract Minnie's attention. She she works in a in a spaghetti shop and he's trying to attract her attention and nothing he's doing is working. Uh so then he finally decides to serenade her in opera, and so he's singing to her and uh everybody's noticing him, but by the time Minnie finally comes over to the window to notice him, a giant whale comes jumping out of the all singing opera and and blocks Minnie's view of of Mickey, and <laughs> it's obviously an allusion to this, and I had no idea, but um, yeah, that cracks me up every time too. So whales singing opera is just—it's funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's something inherently funny about that, and I know Disney didn't come up with this. I know it's a book, but still, I don't think—I don't think any MGM or or Looney Tunes would have been able to do this any better than Disney did. This is this is the one that feels the most Disney, and I mean, it's it's really uproariously funny but it's got that pathos too it really is an opera patatique mm-hmm. so everybody should at least watch this one if they don't want to watch the other ones
1: The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met is worth, worth seeking out
0: uh, of of all of them it's probably the one most worth seeking
1: out um, because it is really funny so oh, maybe yeah I, I, I take back my earlier opinion. Just moved to my top spot. So, uh, Anyway, Michael and I know that there are a great number of podcasts out there uh, you could be spending your time on, so thank you for choosing us. Uh, we also want you to know that Before They Were Live is a proud member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. You can find all of our past shows and the many other shows on the network at christianhumanist.org. We love to hear from you, so please help us continue this conversation by emailing us at live at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find both of us on Twitter. I'm at the underscore alt, and Michael is at Michael Farmer, all one word. And our press uh, excuse me, our press liaison is Kristen Filipic. Thanks for listening.